Good evening, primetime partiers. It's primetime party time. Welcome back to our hour of all things media and entertainment. Live on the air at 9 p.m. at ptptshow.com and on your time, wherever you stream podcasts. Tonight, we are going to rage, rage, rage in another edition of our hot anime summer series. This week's show is all about Agretzko, a red panda in a seemingly normal office life, putting the aggression in microaggression. We will do a little bit of a deep dive in how the show can be. What is Sanrio? In case you're not kawaii obsessed like me, but we're reviewing our favorite Agretzko moments. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? Hello, Tracy, uh, and good evening to uh, primetime party time here on, yeah, episode 27, Agretzko. Uh, Tracy, what are you toasting to? What are you roasting to this week before we get into the show and uh, Sanrio? I mean, I will toast right away to Agretzko depicting your early to late 20s in the most accurate way through a various amount of animals. Mm-hmm. So oh, we'll get to that. That's yeah. it's well worthy of a toast. Not to spoil my reaction to the show, uh, I, I can't wait to talk about it. No, that's why it's reliving it again. I was just like, you watch the first season and you feel like you're in your first year at work after college, and oh. it just it's yeah. I would say for an anime, it's extra transcendent. That's a good way to put it. It's a really yeah, good. Yeah, I had to, to think it. about it for a little bit. I was like. Uh, yes. <laughs> and then my roast is pretty roasty. And I do have many a Larry David moment in my life. And this one particularly. And would love to get, you know, some listener voting on this later. So I visit my parents usually quite often. Yeah. To both let my dog run around, help watch their dogs, yada, yada. And I was pulling up as usual. And I park behind this other car my dad likes to inherit old cars and work on them and maybe they run a little bit maybe they don't oh well, what's he working on right now well there's it's from a while ago but there's one that's like a very old like classic porsche oh, and nice. so yeah like and people stalk the driveway and like they're like i'll buy it and he's like yeah it's my toy right now mm-hmm. and eventually i'm sure he will sell it to someone but oh that's exciting there were people who are clearly not from the neighborhood based on their rudeness nothing else um there's this like woman and man probably a good i'd say in their mid to late 30s and they're you know walking around with their pram or stroller depending on what word you prefer and uh and their attitude as well as two golden retrievers on a very hot day so i think they uh took on more than they could really handle based on their really quick unleashed aggression on me so i was just like pulling into my parents driveway and i'm a little unkosher i will admit i do park a little bit on that part of the driveway where it's like overlapping into the sidewalk a little bit mostly because the people who live there would like to not have to have me move my car if they need to leave yeah but it's also not a through street so it's not a big deal right no this is a cul-de-sac that straight up was named based on the fact that people overlook it. (laughs) So this is not a normal place to go around. And also there's kind of some like unwritten street parking spots for different people or like the friendly neighborhood gardeners that you like. You're like, I'm not going to steal their spot. No. 
but you only know that when you live there. And there are some people who've started to park there to hike the local mountain and stuff, which is slightly Oh, is that where there are tourists in residential Mm -hmm. San Diego? This is starting to make sense because this isn't an evil neighbor story. No, and yet it is. And so as I'm pulling up, I kind of was not accustomed because, you know, I was taking my beagle out of the car. She normally just wants to like... Usually she brings in all the positive energy. So I thought all these people are going to talk to me because they want our dogs to play. This lady starts off with saying, where am I supposed to go? And I was like, maybe she's talking to this guy because she's lost. And then he talks to me (laughs) and goes, couldn't you park anywhere else? And I was like, um. Wait, but you're like in the driveway. I am, but I'm slightly blocking the sidewalk. So she's like attacking you on your turf. Yeah. Oh, that's no. that's a move. It is a move. So, and I was slightly, you know, blocking the sidewalk. But the fun hindsight realization is I actually left a six foot gap where they could still do the sidewalk. What they were not able to do is like fully expand. They kind of had to single file a bit, but not even fully. Like you could I... still fit two of the golden retrievers. You just couldn't have like, a, you know. The whole family couldn't all be in around. So they were upset that they had to consolidate. And so I was like, well, no, there's other people who live here. So I'm just not going to block their spots. And he was just like, there's a whole cul-de-sac. I was like, those are also people's spots. Like, they're just gone right now. Right. Nobody else has the ability to park in this driveway. So you're you're netting other people's spots. Yeah. This woman, and it's also like 930 these, on a couple. Saturday. It's just like. This is an older neighborhood, like people go to church and like other things and they come home and expect to not street park because they don't live in Los Angeles. They live in North County. <laughs> so like, the, you know, it's just like, I'm not going to piss off the people who actually live here. I'm going to piss off you because you're stupid. So <laughs> no, seriously, they, yeah, they did not understand. And then they just kept being like, Ugh, and walking off and then. A uh, friend of the show, Sean, should, or maybe you guys could just like not be a dick. And nice. I was like, ooh. Nice. And yeah, I mean, th- this couple, they, to, to, to reference Primetime Party Time episode 24, about 24, they are Jack Bauer in the plane. They have a death wish. They're trying to go down. They're taking on you and Sean on your dirt. You parked in that driveway. Like, that's yeah. a fight that they can't win. Like, I have a what? weird feeling that they thought. I, for some reason, had no association to this cul-de-sac and was just, like, choosing to park there. And I was like, no. And I also was getting a dog out of the car, so it's like, I also am not trying to, like, park super far away because I need to, like, make some stuff happen. But, like, what was funny is that the woman turned around when Sean said, like, you know, maybe you guys know don't be dicks, which they got kind of deserved. Yeah, She was like, oh can't call me a dick i'm a mother and then i really wanted to say <laughs> those two things are not mutually exclusive particularly based on this interaction you guys were ready to start fights i can't believe you got i don't know if you should have procreated because you are not at that level is... of rising above yet you're very much like you know those people that give you that look like this is a person where like give them a bottle of jack daniels and they're getting into fights at the bar and I was like, yeah, just really hope we're not just dealing with the next generation of assholes right up. But And then did you go do karaoke and, and scream death metal? Like what you know, did, like that's that's why I have a that's, raspy that's voice. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, that's 
That was my roast. It's quite roasty. It was interesting because at first we were kind of like, I mean, are we in the wrong? And then later after more talk to more people, they're like, no, your parents drive. And it was funny because as soon as my mom came out, she's like, so what's going on here? And I was like, ugh, just got accosted by some like wannabe neighbors. <laughs> and I feel like they looked at us and were kind of like, oh, shit, because it was just like, yeah, that's my mom. Like, I, I have some claim to this dream. What? Because oh I think they God. just didn't put two and two together and thought I was like, I don't know, the world's worst parker? And it's like, no, I wasn't trying to do street parking vertically. That was, that's, wow, wow. Maybe, <laughs> I'm just imagining that they're just going around trolling all of the residents of your neighborhood at some point or another. It's you a, guys all get together weirdly, if there's a like, block party. Friendly neighborhood so it was <laughs> very about the psychos that odd. came and just tried to fight everybody on on one random sunday yeah i mean it was one where it's like you were gonna unleash on someone it was just who because yeah. like and then i walk my dog later and then someone's like oh do you smell skunk on my dog because they i kind of feel like i got skunked earlier i just want a second opinion i was like this is the normal interaction i have like <laughs> yeah. tmi conversations like you know, people being like, oh, my gosh, my daughter's having a baby. Look at this <laughs> ultrasound on my phone. Like, I didn't ask for that. <laughs> but it's all like nice things usually instead yeah. of this just like, it's like, oh, very. It's just like this is like some like New York stuff happening in a very like 80 degree <laughs> oh my God. Southern California street where I was like, you guys, you guys just need to like go go to some air conditioning and like chill they were at they were at like an 11 and i was like you should be starting off at a four on a saturday morning that's uh, i don't even know i i do wonder like if in the future i'm in their shoes and i'm like sweating it and pushing around some some child and some dogs I don't feel like I would act this way. Don't I feel like I would person. just be like, I'll just go around. This isn't a big deal. Don't, but, don't, don't do and that. And I'll have a newfound uh, perspective on it should that occur. Because, yeah, I think the other thing is like, it is a very like non-busy street. And like Sean's also take on it was like, yeah, it's such a big cul-de-sac. So you could just go on a different path. You didn't need to just, they just really didn't want to be cut off. Yeah, that's timing. Yeah, I know, totally. It's, yeah, the, 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 yeah the, the, the real problem is that they didn't get around the driveway fast enough. I don't know. There's there's a billion problems. They could have just asked nicely. Like, if they were like, hey, could you back up so we could, like, roll through? I would have been like, sure, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you yeah, roll yeah, on through. That's, uh, but uh, that's hilarious. when it's more just like they start barking at you, I'm like, oh. You know me. I will just now. I'm digging in the heels and going. Oh, you know where I'm going? Nowhere. <laughs> yeah. No, this is. I see, I see what you mean. This is a uh, very Larry David. I know the. Can you block the driveway? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, submissions <laughs> for future sitcoms. But yeah, that's my roast. Do you have a toast and roast for this week? Yeah, so uh, big toast. Uh, honestly, probably the the biggest toast yet. Possible. I don't know. I, I don't remember most of my toasts, but this one's a big one. Uh, we got a prime. We got prime time gifts from Mary in Ohio, uh, and they're they're incredible. They're they're just 
Mary's really crafty, and these are just like personalized primetime gifts made with care. I don't want to spoil them because Tracy, have you gotten yours? Not is there a package yet. theft going on? Is there a mystery here that we need to solve? Because it feels this way, but I also wonder if someone else held on to the parcel key too long, and I'm just waiting to get mine. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, we'll follow the thread. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm re I'm really excited for you to see this uh, because yes. I mean, we're not a we're not exactly a a, a video. We're, uh, we're a radio show, so so. <laughs> Uh, we can't, I can't show these, but, uh, I, I do think that you should unravel them yourself. Um, but I did want to throw it out as, as a toast this week, um, because yeah, they're great. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully this can be your toast next week. We'll see. But, yes. uh, or, or at least one of them, uh, because I have a double toast this week. Uh, I actually have a, a toast and a roast both to long hair. Uh, I have spent my mid twenties. Uh, growing my hair out. I went from probably yes, March have. 2019 uh, through uh, this last week uh, as the recording of this episode in, in July 2021 uh, without a single haircut. And it's been fun. It's been, uh, you know, it's, uh, we'll get into it later, but uh, your mid twenties are an interesting time and you got a lot of room to, to do some fun things and, and basically cram in everything that you didn't get done in your adolescence in the last minute. And for me, oh, that yeah. was that was going for uh, going for the long hair, seeing if I could do it. And it, it's it's a fun process. It's 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 kind of like a I don't know, uh, just seeing the the. It's always fun when you change your look and you see the process of people reacting to that look. And it was the most fun over the past uh, probably three months uh, watching all of the various comments of like, oh, this is a really interesting look to. Like even the maintenance guy being like, "All right, it's time, <laughs> it's time to go back to the old Daniel. What are you doing? Uh, you know, you got you got to you got to read the room on certain things." Uh, so now I am equally inaccurate to my primetime party time depiction uh, here on this site, just in the opposite direction. Uh, no fault of our amazing artist Fen, uh, but yeah, it's it, it was it was great while it lasted. There were some things that I, I kind of wanted to do uh, with different styles that I never got around to, but ultimately. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of you know I'm you I'm can I'm happy always with my grow run. it out again. I could, yeah. We'll we'll yeah we'll see. Uh, but for now, uh, I don't know. Just feeling good. It's nice to it's nice to have a light head in the summer. Um, I bet it's nice for showers not to be an event. Um, <laughs> there's, there's actually a, a lot of you know, it, it was a very educational process. Uh, but yeah, now 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 I'm back to back to myself, uh, and uh, I got nothing to to rage about on on that front. But uh, yeah, oh, but I can't headbang to death metal anymore, which is one of the uh, one of the things I'd be sad about uh, on that front. Uh, speaking of headbanging death metal, uh, that's kind of our next topic. Uh, when we back into the break, uh, we'll talk about Agretzko and uh, where Agretzko's from. Sanrio. So, Sanrio, the thing that took away any sort of money I attempted to save as a child. This is a company from the 60s, best known for giving the world Hello Kitty. Uh -huh. But, <clears throat> 
Yeah, it's interesting because it really did just start off as like a like a gift making brand. Like they would make different kind of fabric patterns and actually published poetry in the 60s and it was like from a silk center and then they start opening in the 70s the gift gate which is gift where gate. you know they really start to realize that there's this you know need and probably guilty pleasure for buying cute stuff which is part of kawaii culture but which means cute in japanese but in 1974 is when we got Hello Kitty. And then afterwards, we get these other characters called Little Twin Stars, My Melody, which is like another bunny. Hmm. And then they have, in the like mid-70s, you get the California location because that's how there's so much for, you know, California kids slash American kids in the early 90s because it takes a little bit of a while, but... They started an establishment then. And I think what's really interesting, and there's a good New York Times article that best goes into it, and it's from 2017 called How Sanrio Makes Anti-Capitalism Adorable and Profitable. And which, you know, is it a stretch? Maybe. But when you look at the source material, you can kind of see what this journalist is getting at. Because... While we have Hello Kitty, Pachaco, who's honestly similar to like a Snoopy dog, and all these cute, clearly marketable characters, you get these characters that become more edgy in most recent years and are built to live on digital spaces as well as in merch, because traditionally these characters were made for merchandise. And while content created out of them afterwards, these were kind of meant a little bit to be more, I would say there's a little bit more storytelling, even though they have a lot of like Hello Kitty TV shows and movies that are from, you know, 90s to 2000-ish times. Gude Tama is the one that kind of started it off. And this is the lazy egg that you're probably familiar with in gifts it's kind of like an mm. egg yolk oh, good that has oh, a yeah, yeah oh, it has a little bit real. of a butt crack <laughs> and, oh. and it's supposed to be like lazy and not want to do anything and kind of dive into the kind of visceral human nature of like there are days you just don't want to do anything you don't want to get up and you don't want to move you want to be like this lazy egg Whereas the original Hello Kitty catchphrase is, you can never have too many friends. So there's some clear, you know, shifts that you're starting to see. And Hello Kitty is probably one of the best known global brands as well. And they're starting to kind of get a little bit of a rap from people who grew up with them going like, how can I relate to these characters, basically? And that's where we get to a Gretzko. Because... Agretzko is all about someone who is on the surface similar to the Hello Kitty character, like really nice, wants approval, all the stuff. But then she's really starting to realize that not everything is exactly how she thought it would be in the world that she was kind of given. And a lot of the societal pressures are really coming down on her hard. And I think 
you know, it's a really interesting situation because Gudetama was created also from a social media contest. They had like different characters and like who should be our next character. And I remember re watching like a Japanese video and I could not find the source material. So please viewers, if you are a even more of a diehard fan than me, fact check me on this, that there was like an internal contest between the designers at Surya to create this character that would really relate to millennials now. And they were right. So what's fun is that Ogretzko kind of comes from two people. There's the designer who is Yeti. And then there is the creator of the show. And it started off as these like digital shorts that were on Tokyo television. But as soon as they got to Netflix, this guy named Rare Echo, which is funny. <laughs> Fun fact is that that apparently was like his screen name when he was less famous. And it's kind of like if you got famous as your Instagram handle and it became your credit. So that's how he is because his full name is not really listed out anywhere. And another fun fact about that is that the creator's wife voices Gretzko. She just did it kind of to like audition it out and so that they would have something to start from. But Sanrio really liked it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's wild. She's, she's amazing. So I know. And so I'm like, and you just never did this before. And he's the same. He's like, says in an interview that's um from Netflix that I found via Reddit that he never did death metal karaoke or anything because the fun fact is that he voices the death metal of the character. So while his what? wife is doing the regular voice, he's doing all of the rage mode singing and he learned to do it in a month by watching a bunch of YouTube videos. So it's, oh. you're also just like, you're really talented because I am a singer and I get that people are like, oh, singing is great and all this stuff. I cannot do screamo. I've tried especially in high school, the garage especially band. Especially in high school. Band. Did you really rock try band? And, Oh, you tried no, rock band. Yeah, it would say. be like, I was always given the, like the rule of like, you'll sing all of the rock band songs because yeah. you can sing. And then it would get to the screamo song and they'd be like, you cannot do the screamo. I was like, I cannot do the screamo. Like, honestly, one of you is probably better at the screamo. And I was right. Some people who like don't, can't like conventionally sing, can screamo sing. So, yeah. It's 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 a it's a particular talent that you have to really get good at, and probably they have to go on this, you know, Ricola throat coat tea lifestyle if you do this. Probably, because <laughs> there's definitely probably some ways you can do that wrong with your voice. But back to Agretzko, is that Yeti who designed it said Agretzko is a symbol and expression of the pent up stress and irritation that is rife in the world today. So she really is supposed to, you know, encompass all these different feelings that people have. And I think the show does a really good job of including her mother and showing kind of the parental pressure for marriage and career and other things. And also like, you know, nitpicking her apartment and like how well she's cooking for herself and just like these normal kind of occurrences. And then she has her coworkers. And I think they do a very good spread of the kind of people you typically see in the office, but I think they do a better job at making it sharp. Cause I'd say there's shows like, obviously like the office where people like, there's always people like that in the office, which I feel like those characters are a little more heightened and goofy. 
And these are a little bit more like you're seeing all of the flaws, but they're in a cute way. So it's not too mean. It's, it's like softened by the animation and the style, but you are looking at it and going like they make, you know, the people she does not like, they do come off the way like, oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's cool. It's um, it, it does sort of soften a lot of like the 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 uh, more kind of like. I guess not dark, but like you know, like a heavy material. Heavy, yeah, yeah. yeah. It softens some some of the more heavy material. Having the boss be an actual pig, um, you know, having yeah, yeah it's just like it, it, these characters do fit. Like the boss's assistant is a weasel, and and <laughs> if you were to describe him in one word, you would describe him as a weasel. Uh, yeah. one of the boyfriends that she gets later on, like even they correspond to what animal that they draw them as. Uh, and oh, there's, yeah. there's a lot there's, to unpack. Fun there, yeah, there's there's tons to unpack with how these characters are drawn. Uh, and one of the fun parts about watching the show is is seeing a character and seeing them on the surface, and then the show diving into those flaws and kind of diving into more about like what that character is under the surface and it is heavy and it is done in, in a different way than I've seen in a lot of television and it's fun that they're animals because it's really easy to project office environments to project people onto these characters and use these these drawings and, and these personalities and voices as proxies almost uh it, it works insanely well yeah and it's less of a risk because you know, you're just like at the end of the day, you're like for networks and for other things, you're like, they're animals, they're cute. Mm -hmm. And then when you watch it and really follow the plots, you're like, it's weird because it is a comedy for sure, but it definitely has some drama moments that are pretty oh. intense, yeah. particularly towards the end of the season before we get yeah. into the <laughs> get rest there. of Agretzko. I'll bring it back to one more piece of Sanrio trivia, which is the horoscopes and characters. Horoscopes so, and characters. Oh, we get to uh, figure out our characters? Oh, yeah. Ooh. So the Sanrio characters all have birthdays. And so because of that, they have their zodiac signs. So you know which one matches you. Oh, what? Since Daniel, since you are a Gemini. I am. Do I get to be the get... angry penguin? That's the only no. one I know is the angry penguin. I had a little Unfortunately, uh, no. blue transparent box that I'd keep my Game Boy games in. I think probably my cousin gave them to me. She was a big coach. Wait, so if I'm not the angry penguin, that's the only one I know. Uh, Unfortunately, you're not Batsmaru, not... a Bats great Maru. character. He seems but... like it. You get to be the little twin stars. The little twin stars? Who are the little twin stars? What do they do? They are like two angel twins. One has pink hair, one has blue hair. And they are kind of just like, I've they're very uh, cotton two. candy, bubblegum, pastel uh, color uh, palette. And I know, words really on brand with you. Yeah, right? well, <laughs> um, they are, they have the number of distinctive traits and they're visually represented by some twins in the Sanrio universe. The little twin stars are twins who travel to Earth from Dream Star Cloud with plans to learn how to be the greatest and shiniest stars in the world. Their impressive goal fits well with their air sign's ambitious side. Not every sign strives to be the absolute best, but Geminis hardly lack determination or initiative. That's pretty positive. Yeah, yeah, they and like you, Geminis. You, Usually you put people a lot talk of heart and soul into this show. Ah, friend of the show, Sean is a oh. Virgo, and he gets to be Bats Maru. He's Bats so Maru. Yeah, 
And it says, Virgos tend to have a pretty clear sense of how they like things. They often want to be completely in charge. No wonder Batsboo represents Virgos perfectly. He wants to be the boss of everything. <laughs> that looks like Batsboo's uh, Bats, face. I was like, that doesn't super fit Sean, but he'll he'll have a good time listening to this. <laughs> if Bats thinks someone is acting ridiculously or doing something wrong, he doesn't hesitate to point out the flaws. Now that's on brand. He did call out the people in the driveway. Right? There yeah, that sounds go. like a Batsboo kind of move. <laughs> So mine is a Pisces, and this one is Dear Daniel, which is like the Hello Kitty boyfriend. So um, he's Kitty not super well known. Dear Daniel is a sensitive fellow, like which Ken is weird that like I Hello got the Kitty. one named Daniel. Um, and he spends ample time traveling the world with his photographer father. Now that's a little creepy. Yeah, that's pretty on brand. <laughs> My dad right? takes many photos. Um, <laughs> Daniel dances ballet and streams of stardom. Well, I can't dance. But he always returns to England to be with his true love, Hello Kitty. I do have to Hello go there Kitty for lives work in England? regular times. I'm learning so much through this. Also, the yeah, combination of romanticism, sensitivity, and lofty dreams make him an example, great example of the water sign Pisces. That part seems pretty accurate. <laughs> so let's see. We'll do one more. Aquarius is Karopi, which you might recognize as the frog. Um, no, is a happy frog. He loves to swim, sing, and play basketball. Or no, not basketball, baseball. With so many friends and siblings, his Aquarius nature is super helpful. It allows him to be open-minded, fair, and cooperative. Oh, I know. I've seen and this. And right. you might have seen that the Leo is cinnamon roll. It's this like bunny that has really giant ears that go horizontal. And it's How, usually eating pastries. I have not seen this character. How many of these characters are there? There are many. There are very many, actually. Let's see. How many Sanrio characters are there? How many are there? Let's see. Do, 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 do. Well, I did not know that. I mean, I you know, obviously Hello Kitty. And Hello Kitty's got like a cafe in Irvine. But I, I just two, did not three, know four, the extent five, of this world and this empire. 10, 15, it looks like about 25 it's looking at. Yeah, right. and some of these I've not seen, so they're, they're new. And some are not as mm, global-facing as others, because there's one, for instance, called the Shinkansen, which is literally the bullet train in Japan, and you can get cute merch from it. I would know. I got a keychain. I, it's just like I have a whole box that's just different jingly keychains <laughs> of Hello Kitty stuff that I will not get rid of. And I know there's a lot of people who'd be like, "Give it away," and I'm like, "Well, guess what? Komari Method still brings me joy. Good. So I keep my keychain. Good for you. Hey, I should take the bells off because they are annoying. But. <laughs> We, we we got a comment in the chat. Uh, what MJ says, what's interesting is that Sanrio claims that Hello Kitty is not a cat. Apparently, she's a little girl and a friend, but not a cat. I've never seen a little girl with pointy ears and whiskers, though, LOL. So does that make Hello Daniel not a Daniel? Like, what, what does that mean? I know. Hello Kitty is well, not a cat. She has a cat named Charmy Kitty. That is actually true. I, I just, like so wait, what? what so, so are wow. the Gretzko characters like? Oh, like, yeah. What? LA Times said it in 2014. Hello Kitty is not a cat. 2014. Plus, more reveals before her LA tour. More reveals? Like, <laughs> just a big expose on. <laughs> I know. How did I miss this? 
What? There is actually a book called Pink Globalization, Hello Kitty's Trek Across the Pacific. Oh, sounds like a good read. So if you would like to read more about Hello Kitty, but yeah, it's weird that they would say that she's not a cat. They said, you read that right. When Yano was preparing her written text for the exhibit at the Japanese American National Museum, shout out to Little Tokyo, she says she described Hello Kitty as a cat. I was corrected very firmly. That's one correction Sanrio made for my script for the show. Hello Kitty is not a cat. She's a cartoon character. She's a little girl. She is a friend, but she's not a cat. She's never depicted on all fours. That's true. She walks and sits like a chew two-legged creature and she does have a pet cat of her own however and it's called charmy kitty okay well okay that's that's a lot to digest that's a lot to digest in real time does that does oh okay yeah okay all right so that's i mean you know it's what are definitions uh what are people what what are are people like i mean that's the whole thing right with a gretzko is like yeah she's a panda but it's also a thinly veiled you know 25 year old this is true and samuel does like to not really treat the animals as like actual animals they all wear clothes they're never just like you know winnie the pooh style animals where they're just like maybe you're just got a crop top on it's like no these are fully clothed creatures so getting into that a Gretzko. what is a Gretzko? a Gretzko is an anime and it's directed by rarico and written it's produced by kelly luganbeel kata sakamoto taro goto yoichiro shimomura miyuko okumura akira takayama yasui mochizuki and as said before written by rarico as well studios fanworks licensed by netflix and the series description from Sanrio, the conglomerate itself. Agretzko is a single 25-year-old red panda, yet despite her cute appearance, something deep within her is filled with rage. Agretzko always dreamed of working in accounting, especially in the part of Tokyo where her office is located, but she didn't think it would be like this. Yeah. It's very much the careful what you dream for, and part of it is that it's supposed to be that Agretzko has kind of gotten all of the cookie cutter things that you're supposed to quote unquote get. And she's feeling disgruntled and frustrated with what that has really given her in terms of value and quality of life and enjoyment and getting still. I think it's also supposed to represent kind of this new age, both in Japan, but also outside where you know, just getting the job is not enough. I mean, and wanting to need more out of your life and have this a little bit more of like a what, how am I happy right now? Which I don't think is always a question that was historically asked. And that's like a very central point of this anime is her going, like, I am not content with this. And yet, this is all good on paper. Yeah, it's. Especially poignant because uh, we were kind of warned about that. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like that's that's something that is a conversation right now. Uh, watching Agretz go go through that. Um, well, okay. Let's let's get into this part. Agretz go came out like three years ago. Yes. When it came out, I was entering the workforce. Uh, so this show, like, 
I guess we'll go through our histories of it, but like when this show dropped, I was like just done renting this like mattress topper on a friend's like floor in Los Angeles. And I thought my gig was ending, so I moved 90 miles north while I had the chance. And the gig ended up continuing. So I was just like commuting into this office like five days a week uh, to, to, to LA. And like I, I saw that Agretzko was dropping. I was kind of new into the office world and I was kind of really, really kind of, uh, you know, like floored about like what life was actually like. Like 24, 25, like it's a really interesting age is, is what I was finding. It's like it's the first time, it was the first time for me that I, I kind of like would get home and I'd look around and I'm like, for the first time ever, I am the result of like all of my choices up to this point. Oh, and yeah. yeah, there's like no going back on any of that. There's there's like doors are shutting. Uh, certain doors are just done. They're shut. They're they're gone for good. And I had never experienced anything like that before. Uh, so Gretzko drops uh, around the time that I was doing this commute and I was just like so exhausted that I just would kind of like zone out and kind of flip through Netflix. And I saw these little 15 minute episodes uh, about this workplace. And what I was seeing about her basically falling out of love with like the life that, that, that she worked so hard for very quickly was something that like really stuck with me. Uh, granted, apparently I only got through the first four episodes because the, the we'll get into it, but the show, the show does uh, end up as just the fact says in the chat, uh, Amazing, binge-worthy, and painful to watch. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's that was my experience this time. It but hits hard. So that's also why sometimes it's easier to digest when you've kind of, I don't know if we've completely moved past that point, but just gone past it happening in real time while you're watching it. Because I watched it actually last year during the pandemic. I binged it before the third season came out. Oh, because really? I always meant to watch it. I am a, you know, card carrying Hello Kitty. Yeah, you you fan. just <laughs> in real um, like all day. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was very sacrilegious of me to have not seen this show yet. Yeah, but you got to binge and once the I two did, I felt very seasons. hard in love. And I've like rewatched it countless times. That's countless. see, so that's this is I can put it on like other people put on The Office or Parks and Rec or like these and even though it is a more intense show than those shows, it does have this like if you've had a bad work day and go, I should watch a Gretzko right now because you'll just be like, I feel seen. <laughs> yeah, so I, f I, I definitely agree that watching it, I felt seen. I, I think that's 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 putting it in a very light. I, I think it inappropriately sees you and holds up the mirror in some cases. Oh, yeah. Uh, you might not always like what you see as well. Yeah, so that's the thing is I, I I love that we scheduled this show to be the show that we talk about after we talked about another anime in in Yuasha, uh, because when we talked in that episode, we talked about all these like really nostalgic teenage moments that you really like to reflect on and that feel really warm and fuzzy and good. And this show is not as optimistic uh, as just the fact says. Uh, she reminds me of all my dating work and social embarrassments. And that's also true. While the show is, I watched seasons two and three both within a day. And it, the show, like, I, I'm very happy I did. The, the, honestly, the second half of season three feels like you're watching Breaking Bad. Uh, it's, I, I couldn't imagine, it's not that I couldn't imagine, 
But I imagine that the, the the watching it over and over again is for a very different reason than like maybe watching something like Inuyasha over and over again. Yeah, you definitely watch this one a bit more to relate and not to escape. And, yeah. you know, yeah. there's even characters, though, you know, Gretzko, we've already gone into her backstory a bit and I've gone... I have a lot of the wiki character descriptions to go through and she is supposed to kind of be more introverted. She isn't in the, you see certain episodes where she goes to like work happy hours and stuff and she's not super social until she's had like maybe glugged a few beers. She accidentally bad mouths her boss on TV early on and he calls her a short timer. And I laugh because I had a problematic coworker who would also call people short timers. Really? And so this show really did like hit it on the dot. So yeah. And on that one though, I don't know about slipping information necessarily. Like hmm. I was like, I don't think I've publicly ousted any coworkers nor been given the opportunity. But that one is more just like, I think it's actually pretty common when I've traveled in Japan. Like you could easily get like a man on the street like interview. And if, especially if they're looking for like a tourist type perspective, like it's, it could happen pretty easily. So because I know a lot of people be like, was I just on the news in Japan? It's like, what? you might be, unless they cut that. Um, so that is something that does kind of happen more so in daily life there. I feel like it's kind of like here, if you were kind of one of the blurred backgrounds on a, on a local television show, which can happen. And right. also, like, they blur people out a little bit more here. And on the cartoon, they kind of, like... It's like blurred, but you can kind of tell because she's has this iconic red panda silhouette, which gets us into director Ton, oh my who is God, voiced by Sota Arai. This guy does a really good job of this character. He is literally a pig because, and his character is kind of the sexist pig boss. And I think they had a really poignant, uh, you know, like he does a lot of things in the first season that's like belittling. Gretzko and it's all very wrong like he's asking her to give her you know serve him tea when he never asks the male colleagues to do this and all these things that like a lot of women go through it's like why am I always asked to take notes and other things like that but well so this is what I love about this guy is that he is this show's George Mason we who we talk about yeah. in episode 24 because he is stuck in middle management in like in his middle age and he his misogyny comes in in his 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 ridiculing of uh Retsuko as a short timer comes from this like idea that he thinks that she's just bite he says it to her he says you're just biding your time until you find a man and then you quit and get married and all of the whole time like even though he belittles her it's all because he thinks that she has a way out he, he thinks yeah. that she's just like, the second she's ready to get married, she gets out, and he never gets out. He already made his choice. He already He's settled stuck. down with the family. He's stuck in this job. Uh, and so when he says, like, oh, I hate women like you, to her face, it's all stemmed from this, like, life that he threw away and that he thinks that she can just escape. And it's... It, uh, I, the um, other this thing guy's is really she has options. And... While it's very like culturally ingrained in Japan to do a lot more like you work at a company long term, 
like the job hopping that's very common in the U.S. among millennials is less common there, but I think more common than it used to be. I was going to say, I didn't realize that the first like 10 minutes of the show jumped five years when they established all yeah. the characters. It, it actually took me a minute to realize that. It's, does that mean that in Japan, like it's, it's common to start in an office at 20? Because she's 25 You start it whenever you graduate, graduate. and sometimes you start a job a little bit towards the end of your school because you kind of do a thing where you never... So you will stay in school until you get a job because they don't like to hire people who have been out of school, which is a really weird thing. Cool. But it's just a different different place yeah. so yeah you'll often see like if someone doesn't have a job and they're ready to graduate they might go for a master's or study abroad or do something so they just like are still technically in school before they find that job and then that job is supposed to be like a fairly like either lifelong or you know good chunk of time not like a two-year and quit but I think that's something this guy is also looking at is like She's in this new age of like they're starting to have startups and other things where she could leave for a better situation and he can't because he's kind of pigeonholed in his job. Though it's also supposed to be that he doesn't really know technology that well and he spends a lot of his time golfing and that's definitely a trope that you see in a lot of offices. And then we have Fenico, voiced by Rina Inoue. And she is a Fennec Fox co-worker and close friend in the office. It's her her work wife. And she's, you know, also kind of the one shooting a lot of sass. She, they say she's highly perceptive and insightful. She's able to deduce to anyone's mental state through more observation of their habits and deviations from them, namely from scrutinizing other social media. <laughs> Cynical by nature, she o- often openly criticizes something only to later enjoy it. Sometimes to an obsessive degree, she has a highly distinctive and monotonous laugh. There were several times, one in particular in early season three, where I laughed out loud for a minute at one of the scenes that she had her monotonous laugh on. Fenneco's amazing, and her, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know, that that describes her perfectly. Uh, And everyone has their kind of like, you know, I don't know, like their comrade in the office that's like, going through it with them. And then we have Haida, voiced by Shingo Kato, Retsuko's mild-mannered spotted hyena co-worker who develops a crush on Retsuko after five years together as friends. His roundabout approach to confessing his feelings puts him in many comical situations, in many ways shares the same social anxiety problems as Retsi, resulting in poor communication with her. Despite being rejected already, he struggles to move on and continues to pine for her, often reacting badly whenever she goes out with someone. However, he does his best to give Retzka space to keep himself in check. At the same time, Haida genuinely cares for Retzka's well-being and happiness, indicating that his affection for her is far from shallow or selfish. Haida is an avid punk rock fan and also plays bass guitar. Yeah, he... It's weird because he's kind of the overlooked love interest in the show. But then towards the end, he's really the one who's there for her. So that's a little bit of a click cliffhanger romantically. Yeah. Not sure where she's going to, who or what is going to end up with Haida. But he oh, really I... does like uh, both out of romantic curiosity and then just, you know, even when she's dating the donkey tech tycoon, he's like afraid that he's going to just dump her because he's just bored of 
dating models is what this guy says in kind of like this, you know, machismo way of saying like, oh, he's, he's you know, changing what he normally does. And once he's bored, he'll just dump her. And he's kind of also worried about her well-being while also being jealous and kind of saying these negative things. Yeah, he's a really interesting character. I love, he's honestly, they don't, He's he is overlooked in season one. Uh, yeah. And something that I love that they do at the end of season one is that he is like, his pining over Retzko and his jealousy are really like unattractive qualities in him while you're watching the show and as i was watching it i was kind of like that's fucking haida at the same time i was like i really want to watch this person grow i understand that this is not this person at their best i don't really like when they're on screen necessarily but i do i am rooting for them as the show goes on well no in in the end of season one when he kind of slips uh, over his you know, sort of uh, obsession with uh, Retzko and, and ends up in the street and he's kind of looking up at the sky and he, he he tells himself, like, I'm pathetic. You see this, like, bit of self-awareness to him and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm happy, Haidus. You know, self-aware. I'm happy that, you know, there there is more to him and that, that he does get to go through a journey and he goes through a journey. Uh, seasons two, like, season two, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's tough because he does look up to Retzko's boyfriend at the time, uh, and and so that that is kind of like a, a fun way to sort of play his jealousy angle. His story in season three hit me pretty hard. Um, I've had some of the conversations he's had uh, with with certain characters, and that was uh, I was I was pretty scared for uh, for Haida for the last couple episodes there, um, and it and it did end in a it did end in a uh, inevitable place for 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 a certain relationship. Uh, but yeah, that, that was, it, it, it was fun watching him grow for the first three seasons. And yeah, with, with a cliffhanger looming, I can't wait to see what happens. I know. And then we have d- director Gori voiced by Maki Sureta. She's a gorilla and she works as the director of marketing at Retzko's company, along with Miss Washimi. She does yoga with Retzko and eventually joins in the karaoke Despite her serious nature at work, she's highly excitable and takes great interest in bonding with Retzko. Running gag with Gori is the over-top mourning over failed relationships, usually romantic ones. Despite being 40 and incredibly career-driven, she has high hopes to still get married someday and continues to make bold attempts to find the one. I feel like um, director Gori and Miss Washimi are very accurate depictions of the kind of like when you go to work in a company and you're kind of an ambitious younger woman there are these like older women who become like your mentors and they might not even be that much older than you they might just be like five years older than you on this show they're supposed to be a little bit more but they kind of help you you know write your emails and how should you dress at work and like how do you deal with these meetings and like how do you get the projects you need to like move up and like you know if they go work somewhere else like they'll help you get a job and all these other things that I think these and they go on like vacations together and they go do yoga and it's like there is this big bond with that and you also see that in Miss Washimi voiced by Komegume Kowiwasaki and she's a secretary bird who works as a secretary to the company's president and arguably the company's de facto president due to the actual president's incompetence. <laughs> the president is a uh, elephant. 
which is funny to be like the elephant in the room. <laughs> the president doesn't really do anything. Um, and she's strong-willed and confident. She's very wise and also gives Retzko a lot of sage advice when she is not busy keeping Gory's excitability in check. And she is a ostrich. And she also is divorced and oh, yeah. talks about that in one episode that gets to become a heated argument when they're talking about and extends as a plot point marriage. well into season three uh yeah yeah these two uh were actually my favorite part of the show uh the first time that i watched it when i, when I only apparently got four episodes in uh there was something like i in my experience and it was actually with the marketing director was watching them look like they own the place and walk around the building and then you get you know into enough meetings with them and, and their exterior comes down and and they are just one of the kids and stuff and and it's and and you get to like see like their aspirations and and, and their lives and stuff and, and and it is one of the like early moments in an, in an office environment that are really rewarding uh i will say gory and washimi have some of the most delightful visual gags in the series uh in my oh, opinion yeah. uh, gory especially uh she's a very emotional person and the way that the show animates uh crying or animates uh you know <laughs> anger or being frozen like a statue uh, Gory goes through it all and it's and it's hilarious okay and I'll go through some of the rest of the characters more quickly because they're not while some of them have larger roles ish a lot of them are a little bit more less in the main cast so we have um, Resasuke which is Retsuko's one time and oblivious red panda boyfriend who is nicknamed the out of pocket prince um, he is constantly zoning out, irresponsible with job duties, soft-spoken, and has zero social awareness. And he has a large collection of thriving plants at home, suggesting that this character is a play on the Japanese term herbivore man. And then Anai, voiced by Sota Arai. Um, he is, oh, and Resasuke is also voiced by uh, Shingo Kato. But Anai is... the the new hire that reports to Retzko and he is happy and eager on the surface, but does not take any feedback lightly, treating it as a personal attack. I think we've all experienced this at work. <laughs> and uh, he uh, also is quite a keyboard warrior. And so he'll do all these things and be like, I remember there's a particular line where she's like, yeah, you kind of sent me a lot of weird messages. And then he walks down the hallway and goes on his phone and goes, I await your answer in writing. And it's just, it's kind of showing like both this, like, yeah, this keyboard warrior slash more cancel culture driven, like sat satired character. And her kind of realizing that, you know, as much as the pig boss has a lot of flaws, that being the boss of anyone is, you know, it comes with some tough parts and she has to navigate, you know, being a manager and grooming someone to, you know, get used to office life in the same way that she struggled at first and help them, you know, lose their kind of flawed traits and build upon his, you know, successful traits. And eventually, you know, he cooks all this yakisoba at the work fair and has a side hustle business making people's lunch bentos and feels all 
you know, kind of actualized and goes on to not really be a problem yeah, for he's her never after. Again. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Haida actually does help with shutting him down and right. after he doesn't listen to anyone else. So that's another feather in Haida's cap. And then we have Tadano, voiced by Chiharu Sasa. And he is the donkey who is briefly Retsuko's boyfriend in season two. When I describe this character to someone, it really does seem like he's supposed to be based on like a Elon Musk type Silicon Valley like tech giant. Because though I shouldn't say that based on the wiki description is initially shown as a lazy jobless bum. Tadano is actually the founder of his own AI company that is quickly rising in stock and is both incredibly wealthy and intelligent. Tadano's laziness is attributed to the fact that he quickly loses interest in any task that he finds mundane and is driven to bring his AI program to the masses. He does a lot where he has this like self-driving car. That's why I kind of mentioned the Tesla aspect. And then he's just flying. Let's go to like Hokkaido just to have ramen and you know, they have this very, like, epic episode where they, like, sing in the stars and it's all really romantic. Oh, yeah. And then the eventually... show's a straight-up musical. Yeah. And then they find out, you know, over time that he doesn't really want marriage. And I guess kind of a lot... He doesn't really want to settle down. And he wants to be very, like, loose and hippie about it. And the season two kind of ends with her doing a rage... Uh, karaoke session of how she is not about that and she would like to eventually get married and she's not into this like kind of uh, unstructured relationship so that's but he still follows her when she joins the idol group so you all are kind of wondering you know where he'll play in the next season because he bonded pretty well with Haida and D- Director Gory. Yeah, he's working with Director Gory now on her yeah. side. I, yeah, Tadano, I, he's better in season three when he's one of the good guys <laughs> in a sense. Uh, that was, that was a blast to watch him come back and, and to, to, to see his and Haida's relationship, uh, blossom. I do want to get your thoughts on the three major relationships, but if we need to go Ooh, through any yeah. other characters first, like we, we can, we can do that. Um, yes. And then I think the last, character worth mentioning is do 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 Retsuko's mother voiced by Maki Suruta Retsuko's overbearing red panda mother who is currently unnamed beginning in the second season she regularly visits Retsuko unannounced trying to pressure her into marriage with one of the many bachelors found matchmakers despite her questionable actions such as duplicating her apartment key without her permission she generally cares for Retsuko's well-being gives her more opportunities to grow into adulthood by often under immense emotional pressure, pushing her away from the comfort zone of work, home, phone, sleep, as well as cooking and cleaning for her when she's visiting. Yeah, so that's that's actually a good place to loop back around because Retzko's mother tries to set her up with a number of uh, <laughs> eligible bachelors and even airbrushes their photos a bit. Uh, but ultimately, the the major relationships of each season, respectively, are with uh, Resasuke, uh, Tadano, and uh, kind of Haida, actually. Yeah. Um, though they do spend most of season three apart. Uh, but but evident as in who ends up in the karaoke booth with her at the end of each season. 
what do you think of these three? What do you think of these three relationships? Uh, what do you think about the moments, uh, like their meet cutes or their 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 first dates or, or the, the 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 characteristics of of what happens during these somewhat short lived relationships? I think the meet cutes are very on point. So the fact that she meets the other red panda at a happy hour, that Haida's kind of lurking around the office being like somewhat subtle and somewhat not. And then I would say when she meets Tadano seems very organic too because she's just like trying to get her driver's license and he's in the room also kind of trying to get his paperwork done as well and taking the classes and she kind of feels like he's out of her league in some ways, but then is really excited when he wants to talk to her. But then she kind of finds out over time that he's not really what she's looking for. And I think those are all characteristic of like, you know, kind of the overly shy kind of coworker person that just seems like, oh, you know, I think the relationship with the other red panda is kind of the extension of the good on paper aspect of he seems like really similar to me. And like we both work in like the finance areas. Absolutely. We match up. And then she's kind of like, Oh no, he doesn't have, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't have a lot going on next. And then she also has, you know, the person who's the complete opposite couldn't be more different kind of a risk taker when she is more conservative with her choices and then you know she finds out later that's like oh you don't share my values next and then Haida she just never really gives a chance despite him having a lot in common with her but it's because she's not quite in the place to actually have a real relationship so she's just not really attracted to him for that reason and they kind of make him off too to not be like the most attractive in qualities because he is kind of being overbearing at first. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, coming in hot. Yeah. So as much as he is there for her and does a lot of good things as a friend, he's not really giving that space to really be a boyfriend option. Yeah. Um Yeah, and then in yeah, which is I the the, the Haida character is so interesting, especially because so the first two seasons and with these two relationships, uh, we're watching kind of like Retsko suffer through her dating life, uh, and it is hard to watch. I agree, uh, it's very hard to watch, and it's it's just like I'm I'm happy I lived this like or that I watched this uh, a couple years after I lived it. Uh, I'm happy I didn't watch the rest of this series uh, when when I started it. Uh, because it's it's just like you just relive so many of, of these feelings and moments. It's interesting when in season three, she's so occupied, um, and season three really comes to be more about like how do you find satisfaction outside the workplace with different pursuits. Yeah. But she's not even thinking about dating uh, in most of the episodes. It's not really on her mind, and the main relationship that we see is Haida's. He's the main, like, relationship storyline of the season it's really interesting how it does that flip uh yeah I, I don't, that's really all i have to say on that um it, it is true it's true where it, it, it it's tough 
because you you can tell he does really care about her uh and it's tough because you 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 can tell that also it's just like yeah it's it's not a good fit and you're you're kind of with Fineco as she's sort of just like you know allowing him to 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 have someone to vent to uh, but then the second Retzko wants to reach out for something and Haida's kind of getting his life together and, and has found a girl that really likes him. Uh, and she's like, no, like tell Retzko off. Like, do not, do not allow this to like, you know, um, but ultimately that, that leads to, you know, a, a crossroad in his relationship yeah. that he has to figure out. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's, we haven't seen the end of that and as inevitably where season four will lead. Um, how did you feel about the ending of season three and where uh, that was tonal shift wise? Cause the first season, like you said, it's kind of her doing a rap battle slash death metal karaoke battle with her boss and kind of telling him off. And he kind of weirdly respects her a little bit more after that. So it's like, he kind of goes like, I was too drunk to remember but yes, then he will kind of like reference it in a little he does. way. He does reference it later. Yeah. That's so cool. So it's, it kind of works. And then in the second season, you know, it's all about her dumping to Donna for not sharing her marriage values, AKA her, that like other option that her boss is a little bit worried about. And then the third season is all about her getting a side hustle because she's depressed from her breakup and she ends up on these like VR video games, buying too much stuff. <laughs> and she needs to get out of debt. And she also like crashes a rental car. It's all very much a typical like everything's bad. Yeah, definitely. When it rains, it pours type situation. Mm -hmm. And she even has really nice people in her life helping her with money. And then she gets this side hustle. She then also ends up getting discovered, becoming the death metal singer in this idol band for and creates this like cult following of people who are big fans of her though in a weird and timely way with like a lot of the free britney and other things going on there becomes someone who is a little too obsessed with her and starts following her around and the sh third season ends in a really dark way where like you know she's kind of stalked a while and then she kind of ends up being like yeah I'm just gonna do one last show to pay off all my debts and then just go back to doing my regular office life but then you're also seeing this other shift in the kind of narrative material of commenting on how fame comes with this really large price even in this small like idol group that isn't even on the level of like worldwide pop stars so yeah how did you feel about how the tone shifted from seasons <laughs> one to three particularly in the finales yeah so it, it's true right like all of these seasons lead up to something that you know inevitably ends in heartbreak season three is is absolutely the biggest tonal shift because it's the first season that's fun to watch it's the first season where I'm like, I am having such a good time watching this show. Like we're watching yes. these people just like the, it, it, they're in flow. Uh, and it is, it's interesting how she sort of like rises to be one of the stars of this idol group. And then we do, we get to the end of episode nine and, and it starts feeling like, like, like I said, breaking bad 
uh, which is funny because the box cutter comes up. But it's it's crazy. Uh, and the moment that I noticed that was when director Ton kind of like finds out, right? Like his kids are into her YouTube tutorial videos on on how to do the death screams, and and he run he, he walks in on the weasel and he he grabs him as as he's watching a video and he goes, "You knew." And it's like, oh, this is this feels like half measures. Uh, and in the next episode is just like, I, it, I struggle to figure out like what my favorite episode of the entire series is. I do really like the, the, the mixer one, uh, when they're, when they're at the diner and they're, and they're texting in season one. Uh, but I love the season three finale. I love how like dark it gets so fast. I love when. And, and and it is sort of like this weird moment where it's like the first, uh, like we, we see a couple of obsessive fans and we see that they're harmless and we see that ultimately the group knows how to take care of them. Um, and then we see this guy and he, he pays for like a little too long of a handshake and he just unloads like this hateful like rhetoric on her. And it's just like, it is scary. It's gen- he is genuinely scary. Uh, and, and you feel that dread, you feel that surprise early on and then and like I said like I, I was joking I was like oh wow now he's got a box cutter and then it's like oh wait no he's behind her oh my oh like what he's he's running at like it's just like it's wild um just how serious the show gets for a second um yeah it's it's interesting because it's true it's this whole series she is hiding who she really is and she's hiding her talents and she's hiding uh, what makes her her and her her the way of expression, and the first time that she actually gets to express herself, you see all of the different ways that that she's sort of actually assaulted with uh, with hardships on that, and whether that's like a physical crazed fan assaulting her, uh, whether that's the the comments that that you know the audience makes, uh, whether that's you know the Director Ton finally, you know, like telling her, you know, once again, like you have a choice, you know, here. Um, if this is serious, like, are you, you know? And she's like, well, I will give you my two weeks when I'm ready. And her having to basically, you know, fight off all that. And as much as her friends want to protect her, she doesn't even want their protection. Um, it, it's no. it's tough. It, it 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 is true. It's like the first time, like she she let herself out into the world, and she learned like that the world is a dangerous place. And if you do that, like that there are risks. Um, and that is sad. That's, that's, that's tragic. Cause you were watching her lean into herself and, and finding success uh, within her craft and, and, and herself and, and finally getting to a point where it's like, Oh, like, yeah, you're getting to that point where you'll be able to make that choice for yourself. If you want to pursue your dreams or not, uh, if you want to be able to show the world who you really are, uh, and then it's just like, you know, one step forward, two steps back, uh, at the end in a very serious way. Uh, and, and the way that it links up and the way that it includes all of the other characters, the way Haida and his relationship fits into that scene, the way that, you know, the, the director Gori's, you know, fun app fits into that scene and, and her talk with Tanada at the end of like, well, did you, you know, uh, did you have anything to do or Tadano, sorry, um, where she's like, did you have anything to do with like, you know, this matchmaking, uh, that, that led us to, you know, when, when they all barge in to, to go get her back and they show her mom, like, you know, like, oh, like these two have these profiles and Haida matches up with Retzka's like, you know, hundred percent. And her mom's like, oh, 
yeah, come in. Like, you know, like, oh my God, like we finally found the match, you know, and that's who lets her in to, to talk to them. But then she's still just like so scorned over the whole affair. It's it's a it's a it's a heavy finale. And it is tonally played radically different than the other twenty nine episodes of the series. And it's it also makes like you really think what is season four going to be? Yeah, well, that's what's exciting because I was really surprised. Well, I was kind of surprised with season two. You don't expect anyone to meet like a you know tech mogul, uh, but season three, I was I was kind of floored. Uh, you know, like when when I watched the rest of season one, I was kind of like, wait, Tracy, like I don't think I would have been as chill, like being like, yeah, let's just talk about you know Gretzko, uh, if I would have known that the series was this like hold the mirror up on you. Uh, and like, even now just watching season three, I feel like that was a really naive comment. Like the series has changed again and who knows like what will happen next, but it all does seem like a logical journey, you know, like it, it all does seem like that whatever is going to happen is, is, I mean, it's, it's Retzko's life and, and there are ups, there are downs, there are surprising moments and we're along for the ride. And ultimately there's still relatable moments, uh, and they're still really compelling characters. I have no idea. I mean, do, do you have any ideas on what's going to happen next? I have no idea. No, I think one of the best qualities of this show is that it does reinvent itself each season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet is still on this thread of like all of the characters are extremely consistent and their personalities, like they grow, but they still hold on to their core. And yet, it changes pretty dramatically each season, but they also weave in these like pop culture moments that are happening. And it's the way they do it is very graceful. So you don't really notice it being so severe, but when you reflect on it and you're summarizing each season, you're like the first one is so much more like kind of light, even though, the source material is kind of heavy in the sense that it's like extremely accurate to real life, which is not always so light. But then <laughs> yeah. the second season is more focused on dating life. And that's like the main, you know, trope throughout. And it's, you know, sort of hinted at in the first season. But then, you know, the third season is, I think, the most interesting shift because of that they're taking the death metal karaoke, which you're, you know that she actually does, but then you also see it in these moments in the office where it's supposed to kind of almost be this, like, she's not like really doing it in the bathroom. It's kind of like this internal thing, but then someone sees her doing it and actually wants her to do it on stage. So it's the, the thing she tried to really keep inside is finally let out. And it's that thing he's saying where she's kind of being more carefree and less responsible and you see that responsibility-driven self start to fade each season a little bit more. But I could see that come back in the fourth season of the, okay, there are some precautions I need to now take. Yeah. Based on, you know, the more dramatic moments that happened. And the other side is like maybe giving people who match up a chance versus these kind of like, long not long shot but kind of hmm, not you know these romantic relationships that aren't really lining up with where she wants to go they're just like very idealistic 
and kind of, I, I don't want to say pipe dreamy because like romance should be in some ways, but like they are a little bit just not lining up with her and what she wants out of her life long term. But she still just kind of like goes with things because she in the first couple seasons, it definitely feels like she like just wants to have a boyfriend. In the third season, like you said, she kind of like that's off of her radar now. Yeah. So it'll be interesting if it comes back on her radar in the fourth season or if she's hesitant and doing that more like, you know, she's more jaded from her past relationships and also her Probably. past experience. And like seeing how she navigates that, I like, I would like to see how that goes as well as to see like, you know, does she still have any involvement? Like, does she really leave the girl group completely? Does she start her own thing? Right. They'll be back in some capacity. The capacity's what? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So be fun to see. It will. Um, I, I, I think you nailed it. I think I think it's the fact is is like these 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 seasons are so compelling. Um, and the show's so interesting, you never know where it's going to go because at least from what I can, like how I relate to it is I didn't really know that the back half of your twenties were ever going to exist. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. Like you graduate college and then eventually you're like 35 and like, you know, like, I I don't know. I I really don't know what I expected, but I didn't expect this. I didn't expect all of these years. And and that's, you know, why I grew my hair out because I'm like, Oh, I got more time to just mess up and fumble. And, and that's what a Gretzko is. Like it's fumbling through these years and finding out who you are. And in, in a time that I just didn't really realize existed that this show just gets really intimate about. Uh, and yeah, that's in, in the same way that there's just like so much time to explore and just like figure out, well, like what happens if you go down this road and, and, you know, it's it's never just this, like, straight line to, like, whatever your dreams were uh, or whatever you thought life was going to be. Uh, yeah, that's, there, there's just plenty more time for this show to, to sort of twist and turn around, like, whatever the hell that means for it and for these people, these characters, these whatever Sanrio wants them to be. Yeah, we'll have to come back when they do a season four and see what else is in store. But I think, yeah, especially as people who have day jobs and do this podcast as a passion project, it's nice to see that depicted on anime in a hilariously awesome and sometimes dark way. So I think that's a wrap on Agretzko for this week on PTPT. Thank you for joining us this week on our second edition of Hot Anime Summer, this time at Gretzko. This show could not have been made without the following amazing people. We're talking our artwork was done by Fen. Find her at Fen Latte on Instagram. Our theme song was done by Jay Wright. Find him at jwrightmusic.com. Website and thanks to Coco. Our production manager is BMAC. Uh, you know, I forgot this part last week and I didn't even realize it during the episode, but you can find episodes of Primetime Party Time on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you want to rant, roast, and or rave with us, you can hit us up by sending us an email at info at ptptshow.com via our voicemail or chat box on the ptptshow.com homepage and catch the next Primetime Party Time next Monday, live 9 p.m. Pacific here on ptptshow.com. Now we got a couple seconds. Should we? Uh, you, I, I've never tried to do the death voice. Should I try? I, I don't know. Should I? You could try. Should I do it? Do it. I don't know if I can say words though. Is that it? Is that the... Honestly, that was pretty good. Really? And I mean, Rage. keep practicing it for the rest of hot anime Rage. summer. <laughs>
Let's go! It's pretty good. Is it? Yeah? I think so. I don't remember any of the songs she sings, though. Uh, Run time party time! Big Lord! Oh, yeah, I didn't mention that I, uh did the Agretzko costume for Halloween. Oh, yeah, so. you did the Agretzko costume for Halloween. I did. So, should we ever live show it up with imagery? We can show that up one of these days. Yeah, we should uh, find some sort of vis- visual component for the show. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. until then, you just get to hear us. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm into it. <laughs>